We're so glad you're here. Welcome to Church Home. Uh, if you're new to our space, to our community, um, I hope that you meet some wonderful, happy, joyful people. And if there's anything we can do for you to serve you or your family out in the lobby at all of our locations, there's a next step bar and there's somebody there just to say hello. I try to say that every time we're together because we want to be a small church with a lot of people. And we also um, need this rain that seems very Old Testament to slow down a little bit. I saw animals lining up two by two out there. Come on, it's early for a Christian joke. Um, <clears throat> wow, it is just really, that's, this, is, this is intense rain. Um, well, if you're new, again, to, to, to our space, my name's Judah, and along with my wife of 19 years, we get to serve here at Church Home with an amazing staff, and every time we get together, we focus on Jesus, we think about Jesus, we believe Jesus is the antidote, the answer, uh, we believe he is God, we believe he's the only one that can forgive us of our error, our wrong, and our sin, we believe that he is the main theme, Church Home is anchored to Jesus, we believe that Church Home is more about Jesus and his perfection than ourselves and our imperfection, we believe the only power to truly change is by focusing on Jesus. And so you're going to pick, the, pick up on that hopefully pretty quick here. Uh, I would, I'm just really excited to share this message with you. And the title of my message today is Proof That God Is In The Middle Of Your Fear, Failure, And Family Drama. I would like to prove to you that God is in the middle of your fear, your failure, and your Christmas family drama. God is right there. So we're going to go all the way to the first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. When I'm speaking, Philip and Philip and the guys will come back and we'll sing some more songs uh, about Jesus, which will be which will be great. You feel good? I um, I'm 40 now, and so I think I'm officially 40 because this has now been my Christmas sweater for multiple Christmases. And I think that's actually one of the definitions of getting older. I think is you have like an official Christmas sweater that you're like, oh, haven't worn that since last Christmas. So um, it's nice to be 40. So that's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Uh, you stick around until next Christmas, I'm gonna bring the same one out. So <laughs> my mom bought it for me, I like it. Chelsea um, thinks it looks really uh, handsome, if you know what I mean. So, Genesis 28, Genesis 28, and we'll begin reading in verse 10, try to give a little bit of context. Um, it says this, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking uh, one of the stones uh, out of its place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder or a flight of steps set up on earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it, and behold, the Lord stood above it. Or some translations say the Lord stood beside Jacob and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land in which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Jacob woke up 
And he says this, listen closely. He says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know that. Surely God is here, but I didn't know that. I didn't know that God was here. And he was afraid or was in awe. And he said, how awesome is this place? Listen to his words now. This is, this is, this is the house of God. He's, quote, unquote, in the middle of nowhere. And he says, I, God's in this place. I, didn't, I wasn't aware of that. This is the house of God. This is, this is dramatic language. This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven, Jacob says. And from there, he has a moment of committing himself to God and committing himself to uh, fulfilling God's plan for his life. I, 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 God is in this place, but I didn't know it, Jacob said. Uh, another title for this message could be, God is in this place? God is in this place? place. I'm hoping during this Christmas season, as we begin the new year, that we, we are going to be pleasantly surprised where God is, where God is. Will you join me in prayer? Jesus, thank you for the moments that we share. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, be present here, manifest here as we speak of your presence that changes everything. Thank you for your grace, your love. Lord, I, I do pray for comfort um, and peace for, for those a part of church home today or anyone under the sound of my voice. Lord, if there are any during this particular season that find themselves in, in pain or the feeling of loneliness or loss, we pray that you would be near and dear to each and every person who is feeling this way, even right now. We thank you for your comfort. We thank you for your joy that is supernatural. In Jesus' name, amen. Mom, thank you for my Christmas sweater. I just want to say thank you. Um, wouldn't be a bad thing if I got another one this Christmas. But, you know, that's really not what church is about. It's not about asking people from the stage for gifts. But my cousin John is here, and it's been quite some time since you've gotten me a gift. So, um, oh, man. Speaking of gifts, speaking of shopping, speaking of Christmas, have, uh, have you ever run in to uh, your, your, your spouse at the mall when you're both supposed to be Christmas or out doing errands. And um, this has happened multiple times to Chelsea and I over the course of Christmas seasons where I'm like, all right, babe, I, got, I, I gotta go do some things. She's like, well, I gotta go do some things. And we end up, you know, we, you know creatures of habit, we end up shopping the same place. And, and it, it's that, you know, awkward moment like, hey, hey, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And I'm like, what are you getting me? And she's like, you can get your own gifts. And I'm like, that doesn't count. Um, it should be noted that a couple of days ago, Chelsea's like, is it okay if I didn't get you anything for Christmas? And, uh, and I, I said yes, because I'm a good husband. And, uh, but there's still time, babe. There's still time. Here we are at the 23rd. Amazon Prime still works. But... You ever had one of those moments, and maybe it's not Christmas shopping, but you run into somebody and you're shocked that they are there, right? My favorite is when you run into somebody, you're like, whoa, what are you doing here? They're like, I live here. What are you doing here? It's like, oh, that, you know, that, that's right. But you just kind of, you don't expect to run into maybe an old friend. I, I've lost count of how many times I'm in an airport and I'm sitting at a gate and somebody walks up and, and it's so awesome because we're in an airport and they're like, Judah, is that you? Oh, yeah, hey, hey, how are you? What are you doing here? Oh, I'm getting on an airplane. You know, that's, that's what we're doing here at the airport. Um, but it's, 
it's, it, it is funny, right? You know, you're at Toys R Us. What are you doing here? Ah, shopping for toys. I don't know. You know, like, oh, man, that just makes me laugh. At the dentist office, what are you doing here? Ah, uh, getting a massage. You know, like, working on my teeth. I never wear my Invisalign. Church, you have to pray for me. I know this is so unprofessional, and this is not really good gospel preaching, but I got Invisalign, and I just, I, I haven't remembered to wear them in like four weeks. So, um, whoa, that was a little heavy-handed. Whoa. Oh, man, let's close in prayer. <laughs> Wow, that surprised me. What are, you, what are you doing here? And of course, usually, in some cases, a figure of speech, but usually it's because we're just shocked to see that particular person in that context and in that space. I think we'd be shocked if we knew where Jesus is. I think, we'd, I think we assume certain contexts, spaces, and rooms where Jesus will be, right, such as church. Like, we, I think oftentimes we go to church because, like, man, God will be there, and it'll be awesome. And we certainly believe that God is present amongst us. I think in church moments, uh, tomorrow we'll have Christmas Eve services, one of my favorite time of the year. And you know, it's, just, it's just apparent that God's in the room. It's special. It's sacred. I love the songs we sing. We used to do, uh, we used to actually light real candles, and then um, wax was everywhere, and we didn't want to clean that up anymore. So we don't do that anymore, but it's still very, some of you are very disappointed, by the way. I didn't mean to disappoint you. Like, what? I thought, I thought there was going to be candles. Um, we stopped that years ago. But it's, it's a really, really special evening. It's, it's, it's just kind of one of those nights where you're like, man, God, God's here. You know, it's Christmas Eve. It's just a special moment. But I think oftentimes there are other contexts, spaces, and rooms where we just fail to realize that God is very much there and present. I wonder, ironically, the places where we are aware that God is there is oftentimes not when we need him to be there. It's oftentimes the places where we feel displaced, hurt, broken, weak, wandering, where we oftentimes are unaware or maybe have convinced ourselves that God is not present, that God is not there. I think we would be surprised where God is. And that's what caught me by Jacob's honest words. See, where, where Jacob is, Jacob, if you know a little bit of his story, he has got a uh, manipulation problem. Jacob is a bit of a liar. Jacob is a pretty selfish guy. Jacob um, likes to cook. Uh, Jacob doesn't have a lot of body hair. These are things we know about Jacob. This is all true, folks. This is in the Bible. Uh, his brother Esau, who's the older brother, who's going to receive double portion blessing from his father, he, uh, he's hairy, he's a hunter, they're very different kind of brothers, but if you know Jacob's story, he so wanted the double blessing, he so wanted the inheritance that wasn't rightfully his, that he actually put hair on his body, he got, he got hair from animals, put it on his body, and while his father's eyesight was growing dim, he, he tried to smell like Esau, tried to cook a meal that Esau would have put together, and, and got in there, and, 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 and his dad... Isaac thought it was Esau and blessed him and gave him the double portion. Esau comes in from the field, finds out that Jacob has done this, and it's recorded in the chapter before we read 
that Esau hated his brother Jacob for this. In fact, he said, by that time the father, the father had died, he said, when the time of grieving is over and, and, and we, we honor my father's life, then I am going to rise up and kill my brother Jacob. So what maybe we don't understand is Genesis 28, Jacob is running for his life. You want to talk about Christmas family drama. He is, his brother, and his brother has made it known. It's like known in the family that Esau is going to kill Jacob for taking what was his, for lying, for cheating, for stealing, for manipulating, uh, 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 and taking what is, what is not his. And so, 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 so Jacob's not on a nature hike in Genesis 28. He's not just kind of enjoying the scenes and the views and the vistas. Jacob is scared. Jacob is afraid, maybe the most afraid. Jacob is dealing with guilt. Jacob is dealing with shame. Jacob is dealing with regret. Jacob is dealing with probably a little bit of who am I really? If I'm, I'm, I, I stole my brother's inheritance, I'm, I'm not the firstborn. I'm not the one who rightfully, I mean, can you imagine the emotions he's going through? He, like, he's in such a good place, his pillow is made of stone. Right, like, that's a rough night of sleep. This is all the elements. And uh, See, for me, I often ask, you know, God, why, why do we need to know that his pillow is a rock? Because it is indicative of where he's at. Like, this is where he's at. He's, he's sleeping on rocks. That's how bad it is for Jacob. That's how scared Jacob is. And he's out in the middle of nowhere, if you will, and he's running for his life, and he, he sun is setting, and so he just lays down. I don't think he's in a good place emotionally. And his dream shocks him. In his dream, in one of the lowest places of his life, look how dramatic this dream is. All, all God needs to do, God can do whatever he wants, but to get the message across to Jacob that he gets, he doesn't need to show him a stairway to heaven. I think this is where the song comes from too, by the way. But like, look how dramatic this is. Jacob starts to dream, and he dreams of a ladder or a stairway. This is so dramatic. That goes from where he is all the way into heaven and just for more detail, angels are ascending and descending on assignment. It's as if God wants Jacob to know where exactly you are is a portal to me and to heaven and my angels on assignment. I mean, it is dramatic. And Jacob's like, what is going on? And then it's tough to tell in the language whether or not God is standing at the top of the ladder or the top of the stairs or if he's beside Jacob or if he's both places, which is interesting that he could be at the very top of the stairs while also feeling like he's right next to Jacob. And he says to Jacob, he tells him who he is, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to work my promises that I gave your, your father and your grandfather. I'm going to do it through you. And, and, and then Jacob wakes up, and he's like, what? like this, he's not trying to be eloquent or poetic. We, we read like, this is none other than the gateway to heaven. No, he, he wasn't. He was like, what? Where am I? I thought I was in the middle of nowhere. What is this place? And some of you know he later he'll name this place Bethel. 
right? And Bethel amongst Christians is kind of a cool term, and it means house of God. But, but for Jacob, it, it, it's more than that. It's more than a nice Christian cliche, like house of God and, and a name for a church. He, he, for Jacob, he's, he's going, no, I, 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 I am being pursued. My brother wants to murder me. I have nowhere to sleep, nowhere to lay my head. I lay it on a rock, and then God shows me that I'm right in the middle of this supernatural portal. He said, I didn't know God was here. I didn't think God would be here. See, Jacob is the beginning of God's people understanding something about his presence, something about the nature of God. For wherever God is, it is indicative of who he is. For he does what he does because he is who he is. God does not just show up places. God doesn't just kind of see where he's going to be. God is, now listen, God is everywhere. But how many know in Scripture God is also very specifically some places and spaces. Jacob is not just speaking to the, how should I say, the omnipresence of God. He's saying, no, God is specifically in, in this space where I am. And he says, I, I, I didn't know that about God. See, Jacob struggles from the same thing you and I struggle with. We assume that God is in sacred places. We assume that God is in places of worship, and he is. But oftentimes we fail to recognize that God is historically renowned for being where you are in your most pain, in your most weakness. That is where God is specifically at. This is his nature. This is his character. And I think you and I just might be surprised to find ourselves maybe in a difficult season or a difficult space dealing with a reoccurring weakness or shortcoming or error or sin or wrong and our brain and our body tells us God is far from you, God is far from you. I mean, if you're Jacob, you have to conclude God is not close to me right now. I cheated my brother out of his inheritance. God is not gonna open up a special personal portal to heaven for me. God is somewhere in, 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 in a sacred place. God is somewhere in the tents of good people and right people. I'm out here running from my life because I cheated my brother and he hates me. God is not here only to wake up and go, he's not just here. He brought like ladders and stairs and angels and stuff. Like this is like, and that's why Jacob wakes up talking about this is a house of God. Like, we should have church here. We should set up tabernacle here. He says, this is the gate of heaven. He's, what he's saying is, I, I've got an opening to heaven here. How do I have an opening to heaven here? Well, Jacob, the reason for this is because this is who God is. And this will be the beginning of throughout Scripture where we will see God in places we didn't think we'd see him. And Jesus will be the ultimate manifestation, the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. We will find Jesus in social settings and spaces and places and homes. We would say to ourselves, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? I didn't expect you to be here, shouldn't you be in the synagogue? Why are you here? But this is how God works. 
I, I want to I prove to you in the next few moments that where there is pain and where there is failure and where there is weakness and where there is drama, God will come rushing to that place, to that point. Look what it says, Romans chapter 5. Look what it says about grace. All that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. Sin does not have a chance with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. Now, some of you have this memorized in a different version, which is where sin, where, where, where sin abounds, wherever, wherever that space is, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Aggressive forgiveness is not a concept, it's a person, and his name is Jesus. And where there is error, and where there is wrong, and where there is sin, God will set up his home there. He will open up a portal of grace and forgiveness over your life, and you will wake up from a dream talking about and. I did not know God would meet me after my family fell apart. I never thought after making that decision that God would pursue me. And you have misappropriated the nature of God as if God is only available to the sacred. Nothing could be further from the Christmas story. God, you'd be surprised where God is. Wherever sin abounds, here comes aggressive forgiveness and that's why if you I mean if we could literally follow the footsteps if we could put it on like a like a map and follow where Jesus walked in in relationship to 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 people and places and spaces you would notice that aggressive forgiveness is drawn towards where there is sin it, 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 it bring, I, 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 the body proves it the body proves this fact about God we're made in the likeness and image of God we're made in the likeness and image of God. Do you know that when your body is injured, do you know what your body immediately does to heal itself? Blood aggressively moves towards the injury. Your body reveals the nature of God. Where there is harm, where there is pain, where there is drama, where there is injury, even in your body, the blood rushes. That's why 1 Corinthians 15 says we're all members of one body, and if one member is in pain, let us all move towards that member that is in pain. Why does Paul write that? Because that's the nature of God. When Jacob is displaced, running for his life, sleeping on rocks, God's like, I'm about to shock him, and I'm going to put on a little extra. I'm going to be a little extra on this one. I'm going to show him stairs and ladders and angels and gates and open. It's just, I don't have to, but I want to like be really demonstrative about how much favor Jacob has, even in the midst of his manipulation and his lying and his cheating. And what changes the trajectory of Jacob's life? God reprimanding him? No, God's saying, I'm still going to fulfill my promise through you. And Jacob says, if you'll help me, he, you can read it later. He goes, if you'll help me every day, I'll live this life you want of me. And it's like, oh, Jacob, you have no idea. Your God will never leave you nor forsake you. Wow, this is the nature of our God where I know God's everywhere. 
you know, I think about this time of year, think of the woods and beautiful snow and trees and, you know, they say, well, if a, if a tree falls in the forest and, 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 and nobody's there to hear, it doesn't make a sound. I, I don't know, but God knows. And I do know that God is in the forest. I do know that God's in the forest, over the forest, but, but, but God is more specifically with his people when they are in pain. He, he is aggressively involving himself. But the problem is we suffer from the same thing Jacob suffers. We absolutely are convinced based on performance. I'm out here sleeping on a rock and I deserve it. This is what I deserve. And what we need is the grace of God to show us that Jesus is right there. and He has set up his home and gateway and portal of blessing and favor and forgiveness so that we can say, I didn't think God would come out here with me. But now that I know that he's here, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to commit myself to following this wonderful king, this amazing God. And, 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 and this is... I always preach shorter in December, so may this be a gift to you and yours. Because I'm coming to a close. But the close could go long, so just, you know, don't, don't count your chickens before they're hatched. Who says that? But um, think about it. Think about it. Surprised at where God is. Uh, yeah. Enter the Christmas story on December 23rd. Look at God. Are you not surprised by where God is? I mean, look, look, Luke, Luke chapter 2, I think it is, verse 7. And she, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son, and here's where he was. Here's the place he was. He was in rags, laid in probably a carved-out rock feeding trough um, in a barn or a cave because there was no place in the inn. Wait, God's where? Where is God? That's manifest physical God. That's his first night on earth. He should, he should have been like birthed in holy water in the temple. Yeah, you'd be surprised where God is. People came out to just to see. This is where God is? They were just as shocked by the elements and the context as they were for the little newborn baby. I mean, if it wasn't for the stars and the singing and the angels, I mean, these shepherds would have been like, no, contextually, this cannot be God. But look at God. God's first night on earth was in displacement. Think about it. There wasn't a place for him. God set all this in motion. Nobody controlled this. The innkeeper did not control the narrative that night. The people who checked into the inn did not control the narrative that night. Nothing happens on accident. God orchestrated these events just the way he wanted them. He wanted them to have to go to a little town called Bethlehem. He wanted them to be amongst animals. He wanted them to be in a lowly, unsuspecting place. Why? Because you'd be surprised where God will show up. And from his first breath, for his manifest earthly ministry, it is in displacement. There's no room for him, and yet he comes to make room for everyone with God. You'd be shocked. So here's 
my takeaway. This close is going faster than I thought. This is fantastic. Where, where do you think God can't be? Where have you concluded in your heart? You know what I suspect? I suspect you have concluded there are spaces of your soul God won't be. It's that weak part of you. It's that shortcoming that you can't seem to overcome. And maybe you've concluded God's not there. God's not there. He couldn't be there. And you know what's amazing? In these spaces of defeat or failure or emotional fatigue or worry or anxiety or fear, it is amazing how aware we are of everything else in that space. Have you noticed that? And just haunts us. Maybe the, the, the loss in that space, the fear in that. And we're so aware of that fear there. And just recently, this is what I started doing. I started saying what Jacob said. God's in this place. I wasn't aware of it, but I am now. And God is in this place. God is in that place. God is in that place. So, your marriage, it's over. I want you to know God is in that place with you. Bankruptcy, God is in that place with you. Anxiety, God is in, specifically, he's in that place with you. I'm talking about the place where you feel like you can't catch your breath, that place where you feel like you can't catch a break, that place where you feel like you can't sleep well. You, you're sleeping on rocks. God is in, that's the place he is. That's, the, that's where you'll find him most, if you will. That's where he'll meet you. But I'd just like to encourage you in this Christmas season that we open up our mouth and use our words which have power. For the Bible says power of life and death is in your tongue. It's a small rudder, but it can guide a massive ship. That we open up our mouth, and when we feel that area of our life, or when we actually walk into a tangible place where in the past there's been drama or unrest, wherever it might be, it might be emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, wherever that place is for you, I encourage you to give yourself a gift this year and declare, God is in this place. God is in this place. What is that sin you can't overcome? I want you to speak. God's in that place. He's in this place. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He, he knows my weakness. He knows my shortcoming. God is in this place. And Jacob, he got out oil and poured it on the rock. And all that's a picture of is taking a moment to acknowledge this really happened. God is big. God is real. I'm going to commemorate the fact that God is in this place. Place. And I wonder if we're going into 2019 thinking to ourselves, I can't go into 2019 with this place of fear and failure and weakness in my life and what we have misunderstood. It's in that fear, that failure, that weakness, that drama, that shortcoming that God is most there. And he will show you his redemptive power. So that's what I'm going to do. And I may not do it the whole year. I may forget, but the next few days... I'm going to find spaces and places in my life. I've definitely had sleepless nights lately. Just can't sleep. Heart seems to be racing. So much going on. Family, stuff, everything. I'm trying to raise teenagers. Hello. 
And I just need to say, God is in this place. I'm talking for real, like real life stuff. God is in this place. When all of the elements tell me otherwise, when everything surrounding me tells me I have been forsaken, I have been overlooked, I have been misplaced, God doesn't care for me, I'm going to remember Jacob. And if I need to, I'm going to go to the, the, the nativity scene in my mind. And I'm going to tell myself, if Jesus came in a feeding trough and in a barn with animals around him, he'll go anywhere. He'll go anywhere. And where I need him most is where I never thought he would go with me. That's where I need him. So I'm, 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 I'm closing. It's amazing. I'm saying that for you and your family. I'm saying that for you and your soul. Hey, soul, God is in this place. God is in this place, and you allow yourself to sink in to that truth where sin abounds. Grace, Jesus, aggressive forgiveness does much more abound. I want you to see the love of Jesus rushing to the aid of where you feel fractured and injured. And he is there to heal and restore and work a miracle in your life. Woo, man. I, I feel like singing to Jesus today. He is good and all that he does is good. And what he did for Jacob, he's going to do for you. For real, he's going to do for you. And I mean it. If you need some dreams to happen in this Christmas season, I'll pray for you for some dreams. That in your dreams, you will see the, your, your loving Savior, Deliverer, and Healer. That you'll see a portal of heaven pouring over your life. You are favored. You are blessed. The heavens are not closed to you. They are opened over you. In, in, in that place of pain, the heavens are open to you. I mean, I want you to let that sink in a little bit. That's, that's, that's miraculous. <laughs> For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because in my weakness, he's most there. I am strong. And the power of Christ rests upon me in my place of weakness. Because that's how God works. Ooh, some of you came to church feeling more weak than you have ever felt. And we're going to flip the whole script on your opponent and your enemy who was whispering in your ears on your car drive into church talking about, you, you look, look at you, you, you had nothing changed, you, you did that, you, and, and now you're going to leave knowing that when you are most weak, you are most powerful because it's there, God is present, and he is in and upon your life. Amen. So Jesus, we thank you for the reality of your word we thank you, God, that you are most with us in our pain, in our challenges. You remember we're dust. You remember we're weak, and we love you, and we trust you, and we rely on you. If you're here today, just eyes closed just for a moment. You say, Judah, I'd like to make a decision today to follow Jesus. For the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believe, simply receives him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. If you'd like that forgiveness and everlasting life that only Jesus offers, all it takes is a moment of faith. All it takes is a moment of faith. And so it begins. The presence of God will be with you in a saving 
way forever and ever. If you want that, on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to lift up your hand and put it right back down. One, two, three. If that's you, just shoot your hand up all over the auditorium. I receive that. Beautiful, beautiful, amazing. I receive that. God, you see these hands, you see these hearts. You're a miracle worker. You're so beautiful. You're so wonderful. You're extraordinary. We love you. Thank you for forgiveness in this place right now. Secondly, if you're here and you say, Judah, I hear what you're saying, and it's true. In that one space or place in my life, I have been unaware that God was there. But now I am declaring over that space, over that place, God is here. God is specifically here. If you believe that and you want to declare that over your life, will you raise your hand? God is here. God is here. God is specifically here. He is in this space. We declare that God is in this place. We did not know it, but now we know it. And we thank you for it. And we celebrate your goodness and your grace and your beauty and your majesty. You are extraordinary, God. You are a wonderful God in Jesus' name. If you're physically able, willing, would you stand with us? And let's join Philip and the team and let's sing out our praise to our wonderful God. Come on, church.